I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 394 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, it is time for another Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. And today I have the honor of speaking with a retired Navy SEAL who has thrown his trident into the political arena. Derek Van Orden served our country for 26 years in the U.S. Navy, with the majority of that time as a frogman with the elite U.S. Navy SEAL teams. He retired as a Navy SEAL senior chief with five combat deployments and several others all around the world. He is the author of a best-selling book titled A Book of Man, A Navy SEAL's Guide to the Lost Art of Manhood. And he has did a bit of acting as well. You may recall seeing him in the movie Act of Valor, which starred many Navy SEALs. Derek's scene with Christo, where he delivered the classic line, shit filters full, was one of the best scenes in the film. Derek is about as badass as they come, and he is now running for Congress in Wisconsin's 3rd District. And boy, will they be lucky to have him. It is a tremendous honor for me to have him here on the podcast. Derek Van Orden will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Derek Van Orden was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between myself and the congressional candidate, please get over to my YouTube channel, First Class Fatherhood. Hit me with a subscribe. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right. And if you enjoyed today's podcast with Navy SEAL Derek Van Orden, you have got to go through my archives and check out all the interviews that I've done with so many Navy SEALs, including Medal of Honor recipients, SEAL Team Six Dads, and just a great collection of Frogman interviews that I have been honored to conduct. They're among my favorite interviews that I get to do. All right, and make sure you lock it in for next week. I'm going to have three bangers coming your way, including Fox Business host Lou Dobbs, who will be joining me here on Wednesday. He's got a new book coming out called The Trump Century. Lou Dobbs has been in the business for many years. It's going to be a lot of fun to have him on the show here, so don't miss out on that. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who else will be joining me here. And if you could, please hit me with a rating or a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you enjoy listening to the podcast. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life fatherhood rocks family values rule and every day is father's day right here with me and i'm going to be right back with retired navy seal congressional candidate Derek van orden i'm alec lace and you're listening to first class fatherhood Today's episode is being brought to you by Manscaped. And dads, 2020 has been a year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing that you can control, and that is shaving that area that made you a dad in the first place. My sponsors over at Manscaped.com are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premier electric trimmer that is waterproof with advanced skin-safe technology, so you never have to worry about scratching those love spuds while you're giving yourself a smooth shave. The Lawnmower 3.0 is included in the Perfect Package 3.0, and for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you're going to get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. And let me tell you something right now, guys. The Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs are the best pair of drawers I've ever put on. So what are you waiting for? Visit Manscaped.com. Use my promo code FATHER. You're going to save 20% off your order plus free shipping. That's 20% off your order plus get free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code FATHER and get rid of those short hairs in your short pants today. Joining me now, First Class Father, Derek Van Orden. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for uh, having me. 
All right, this is an honor for me. Thank you for your service. And let's start it like this. How many kids do you have and how old are they? We have four kids and they go from 34 to 21. Yeah, well, I'm right there with you. I have four kids myself. We have three boys, then got our girl on the last try. What kind of denominations you got over there? We've got uh, two and two. The two older ones are girls and then the younger ones are boys. Okay, very cool. Any grandkids yet? We have six. Thank you. Oof. My oldest is just getting into high school now, so hopefully I got many years before I hit that window. So, uh, In a perfect world, that's how it should go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Derek, if you could, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Um, I was raised by a single mom, with my brother and I in uh, abject rural poverty, uh, in rural. And um, there's a difference between that and urban poverty, believe it or not. But uh my mom taught us about a work ethic. You got to have one. You got to take care of people. That stuck with me for a long time. Um, you know, I grew up, I wouldn't say I was a miscreant, but I was. Uh, dropped out of high school when I was 16. Joined the Navy when I was 18. Got a GED. Thought I was going to be in for four years. That turned into 26. Uh, 21 of those as a SEAL. I deployed uh, eight times and um, five of those to combat. And I've been married now for almost 30 years to my wife, Sarah Jane. And like I said, we have four kids and six grandkids. I live in a small hobby farm right now. Um, funny enough, I got my undergraduate degree when I was 44 years old. And I did that because our youngest daughter was telling me how hard it was for her to uh, go to college. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to finish my degree while I'm an active duty Navy SEAL. So you have no room to maneuver. And that's exactly <laughs> what I did. Um, yeah, and lately, uh, you know, last few months, I've been running for Congress here in uh, the Wisconsin 3rd District. It's an absolutely beautiful place. It's the, called the Driftless Region of the country. So the glacier came down from from Canada, and uh, it didn't hit this region. So we have these beautiful bluffs are right on the Mississippi River and this undulating terrain. And having lived and worked on five of the seven continents of the world, uh, I've found that this to be the most beautiful place on the planet interestingly enough so yeah yeah incredible stuff Derek and that's one of the reasons why I love bringing so many of the Navy SEAL guys on the show here just for that you guys lead by example I'm happy to see that uh, so many combat veterans like yourself they're getting involved in in politics we definitely need your voice I think now more than ever Uh, so I'm glad to see that and uh, the longest journey that you had here Derek about how old were you then when you first became a father and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life oh my gosh I was 20 three, I think something like that. But, um, it changed my perspective. Getting married is one thing, you know, you're marrying an adult and in, in the best case scenario, that adult can take care of themselves regardless of what's happening. Um, granted there's an incredibly huge bond and I don't mean to discount the bond of marriage at all. It's uh, incredible, a wonderful thing. It's a sacred bond. It's a sacrament. Uh, but when you have a child, you know, that child is truly, dependent on you and it makes you look at the world in a different way meaning i really have to start thinking outside of myself and the actions the things that i do every day can not only affect this other adult but they can affect this other human being that is truly truly dependent on you for everything so it it's a um it's a sobering thing and it should be a sobering thing i guess that i should have said that it should be a sobering thing because we've had issues where people just kind of have kids and leave them along the way, like my father did. Um, you can learn good things and bad things from, from parents. I learned good things from my mother 
like I said earlier, about caring for people and work ethic and taking care of folks. And I learned Bantegs uh, from my father. So I decided consciously before I got married that when we had children, that I wouldn't do that. Uh, the latter, I would do the former. I'd take care of my kids. And I think that's important that we do that. Yeah, well said. And one of the things you say there, uh, I try to liken it to like in the civilian world here. Like, I know you guys in the military, you get that kind of service before self mentality drilled drilled into you guys. But for people like myself, the first time we ever I ever got the sense of loving somebody more than I would myself was through fatherhood. That's the first time I ever felt that type of uh, of powerful love in my life, where I would do something. You know, I would lay down my life for my children. I never got that until that moment. So it's definitely a, a powerful experience. And what would you say were the were the top values, uh, Derek, that you were hoping to instill in your kids growing up? I wanted to love the Lord. I did. I do. And they do. Uh, I think that's really, really important to understand dominion and creation. I believe that firmly. Um, and I think it helps level your bubbles. I was not a Christian growing up. I became one in the service and it changed my life profoundly. I wanted to love their family and their nation. I wanted to be responsible. I wanted to put uh, people people external to themselves above themselves, knowing that that helps everybody. And uh, I'm glad to say that it's turning out <laughs> turning out okay so far. But really letting them understand that they're part of something bigger than themselves and not to be self-involved and uh, really look external for things and, and understand that you each each human being in every human life is valuable it's unique and it's wonderful but we're also part of something else and raising our kids like that and moving around sarah and i moved like 14 times and so the kids you know they've seen so many different environments and cultures that it really gave them a, a sound perspective and it, it truly gave them all a very deep and abiding love for our nation which i appreciate greatly yeah, awesome. And I know you mentioned it earlier. We have a, you know, I, it's a fatherless crisis. I talk about it on my show all the time. We have yeah. way too many kids are growing up without a dad in their life. And, and the family unit has just been under attack. And so it, it, it is causing, we can see the results are playing out all over the country. I think they're devastating. I think it's probably the, the number one problem we have right now, in my opinion, is this fatherless problem that we have. So what, what in your opinion, is there anything we could do uh, from a political standpoint, I know you're running for Congress now. Is yeah. there anything from a political standpoint we could do to kind of strengthen our nuclear family units again in this country? Well, I, I'm not a fan of big government. I'm not a fan of, of getting government involved in everything. Here, here's the thing. The, there's a study that was done that said if you do three things, because what we're talking about now is uh, it's not really a, a racial thing in our nation, although it appears that way. It's really a class issue. So we have people like I started at the lowest rung of the socioeconomic group, right? The lowest that you could possibly get. Um, and now I, you know, we're middle class and I did two out of these three things. But if you do three out of these three things, you're guaranteed to go from whatever socioeconomic group, at least to the middle class. That's graduate from high school. I did not do that. Uh, don't have children until you get married. I did that. Maintain a full time job. I've been doing that forever. So if you do those three things, Regardless of where you started, you're going to wind up in the middle class. But what what we don't understand or what we seem to have forgotten, we've been bamboozled by these uh, social scientists saying that one parent uh, being raised by one parent is just as good as being raised by two parents. And it simply is not. You, you see one side of the coin. You either believe that men and women are fundamentally different, which I do. Um, and in order to really get a well-rounded 
holistic understanding of human behaviors, uh, you need to have both sides of that coin. Uh, so having someone that is uh, the different gender role models that have been erased throughout our nation um, throughout the last, really starting in the 70s, or late 60s, has really been a disservice. And you can say whatever you want, um, but it's just factual. If you look at the degradation of our society and pin that to when the family started breaking up, it's undeniable. So am I discounting, um, am I discounting single parents? No, I was raised by a single mother. So uh, I, let me circle back to your question really. I don't want the government involved in our everyday lives. But what I also want is a government to clearly acknowledge that there's things that have worked out and there are things that have not worked out. What has not worked out is the destruction of the American family unit. If you look at, uh, if you look at black Americans, for instance, African-Americans, uh, the, the percentage of African-American children that are born in single family homes is, is astronomical, especially as compared to other ethnic groups or racial groups in the United States. And, and that has had an appreciable effect. So how I would prefer the government, if in, in any way to be involved in this, is to very sharply look at the social programs that we have and make sure that they are designed specifically and only to give you a, a hand up when you need it, but not to, uh, not to try to or not to um, affect the way that people live their lives and make you dependent on the government. And that really helps. We, we were on welfare for like six months when I was an infant. Clearly, I don't remember. So having that social network is, I'm okay with that. We're a generous, we're a giving, we're a loving nation. We have to be able to do that. But if you go past that, then you start making people behold it to the government. And that's where things go really wrong. And that's been proven historically through, through all time. Um, so less involvement, but focused. Yeah, I, I love your philosophy there. And I always have to make the stipulation when I talk about this to make sure that I don't take anything away from the single moms that are out there working yeah. miracles in, in so many ways. So it, it's not a knock on them whatsoever. Uh, it's just talking about the the ideal would be for the two parents and, and the nuclear family unit to stay intact. And I think even throughout history, if you look at the beginning of the fall of Rome and you see it there where the nuclear family started to deteriorate, it all went downhill from there, too. So it's, it's been all throughout the course of history that we see this issue uh, where the family falls apart. So does the uh, society. And, and I, about a, sorry, sorry I, I find it fascinating that um, it's sort of in vogue to look back at, you know, we call them primitive cultures, which I, I think that's a derogatory term, so I don't really use it. But if you look at, at uh, Aboriginal cultures, there are very, very clearly defined gender roles. The mom is at home with the baby for, you know, the first six years of their life. And if you look at the, the interscene, the interfamily uh, violence that takes place in those cultures as compared to Western cultures, it's almost non-existent. If you look at the murder rate, the theft rate, all these, all these things that we track as metrics in our society, in our advanced cultures, um, they're really... There, we are more. We are more. Um, we are more inclined to violence in our advanced cultures than we look at these Aboriginal cultures, and I think it's because when you do have the ability to have a mom that's at home that's taking care of you, we got to remember only females are capable of growing a child and giving birth. So let's let's just remember that. And they're the only folks that are capable of, of actually nourishing a child with their body. That's just a fact. And when you grow that bond with the child to the mother, 
and allow the father to do uh, more external things, providing for that mother so that she doesn't have to go to work outside of the village or outside of the home. Um, it allows that bond to grow between the mother and the child, which which really humanizes the child more. And then the child can look uh, towards uh, the father that's doing a more traditional provision of, of sustenance. And it works. I mean, look at these look at these cultures and say you can't argue that uh, they're not more peaceful than we are in our you know advanced super societies where everybody splits off to work and mom drops a kid off at daycare and they, you see him nine hours later and you spend two hours with the child a day. Yeah, and what, that, well, one of the things, Derek, I know that, I mean, I grew up with, I know you didn't, uh, I, you know, I would always have that wait till your father gets home threat yeah. growing up. That was big for me. And I see, like, when I see the destruction, we see the rioting and all the stuff that's going on across the country. And I can't help but think if one of my kids was involved in this, they would have to pray that the police actually got to them before I did. And, and, and so I think that that's a big problem that we're seeing. They don't have that, that threat from the parents that they're worried about getting in trouble. So I wanted to bring it into discipline. I think it's a discipline issue. What type of disciplinarian were you as a dad? And was it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Uh, well, I didn't really have that much discipline growing up. That was part of the problem. Um, it really was. But if you, from a Judeo-Christian perspective, you say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And uh, if you think of a father being here on earth as the, you know, the representation of, of that father head figure, um, the disciplinarian part is very important. And I can speak to this from personal experience, not growing up in a, a really truly disciplined house because my mother did work eight or 10 hours a day and I was left to my own devices, you know, the 1980s latchkey kid. Uh, but how we approached our the discipline with our children is we started making sure that they knew their place in this house. And I would tell them this, and it's become a family joke now. I was like, hey, I used to be pretty handsome. I was in good shape. I had hair. Um, you know, I was a Navy SEAL and whatever. But I could have picked any woman in the entire world. Any woman. I could have picked her. And I, and I picked your mother. Point at my kids right now. I picked your mom. And you know what? You people just came along. So just remember <laughs> how this is stratified. Um, <laughs> And then just be very, very consistent with your kids. This is right. This is wrong. And, uh, you know, don't try to mom and pop us. That's the whole point of telling them they just came along. And be very consistent and loving. And, and you got to remember, um, you got to remember that when you're a child that you didn't really know what was going on. And you made a lot of mistakes. And so I think some folks forget the fact that they were children and, you know, like I said, I was essentially a miscreant growing up. So we, we cut the kids slack, but we also held a very firm line with them. I think every child got spanked once. I think Dan, I think at least once. Actually, <laughs> once. Uh, with our oldest, it was funny. It was like she skipped off in like sixth grade to go to a roller skating rink because she wanted to hold hands with the guy or something like that. And we found out about it, and I spanked her once. And she was like, well, I didn't like that. <laughs> like, that was it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, that's like a pat on the behind or whatever, but um, the, the, when a government tries to step in and remove corporal punishment from uh, a family, I can understand why, because there's a lot of people that simply cannot control themselves and that's inappropriate. I and mean, you can, you can boldly go from uh, exercising uh, discipline to abuse really quickly. Uh, so I, I don't really condone, actually I don't condone at all people, you know, roughing up their kids. I think that's foolish and it's horrible and it's a crime. But I do think you have to be able to be a parental figure 
and uh, exercise the appropriate level of discipline that you need to with your kid. And that's going to change with all of them. With our oldest, that was it. Uh, the next daughter had my personality. And I'm like, ah, you know, so. But. Yeah, and I think, Derek, I think there's obviously a very big difference between spanking a child and beating a child. And, and obviously, um, you know, and I think this, the, I think the, the lack of the discipline combined with this every child gets a trophy philosophy has really caused uh, a, a lot of issues uh, with the children that are growing up in this generation as well. Yeah. You know, I wanted to hit on your faith there just a little bit there. You said you didn't sure. grow up a Christian. Um, how important of a role has your faith played now in you being a father and raising your kids? Today's episode is being brought to you by Mellon. Mellon has designed a hat in collaboration with Navy SEAL Jeff Nichols and the Lone Survivor Foundation. This united hat is designed to bring us together as a nation, as a global community, and as neighbors. It is designed to inspire hope in one another and to work together towards positive outcomes. This united hat stands for getting things back on track and working together to get us there. United we stand. The Lone Survivor Foundation will be donating $10 for every Mellon United hat sold. The Lone Survivor Foundation provides a no-cost post-traumatic program to help U.S. service members, veterans, and their families recover from combat trauma. Visit Mellon or tap the link in today's show notes and rock your United Mellon hat today. United, we stand. Yeah. You know, I wanted to hit on your faith there just a little bit there. You said you didn't grow up a Christian. Um, How important of a role has your faith played now in you being a father and raising your kids? It's paramount. Um, it's at the forefront. Uh, what What is really interesting is that your children, you know, they look at you as you're you're the do all end all with something. But when it, in the secular perspective, but when they see you on your knees and they hear you praying and they understand that you have a faith in something greater than yourself, that really it's it expands their mind and they understand that we are all part of dominion and it helps them um, really get along better in life themselves. Because again, once you start looking external to yourself, the better everything turns out. Uh, When you are introverted, when you're self-centered, when you are um, narcissistic, things don't turn out well. And they all start with the best intentions. I mean, uh, police officers should not be killing civilians. But then again, civilians should not be killing police officers, should they? It's a two-way street. We forget that. And when you have not grown up in a in a system, a family familiar system, where you understand that there is dominion, meaning that there are authority figures that do truly have authority over you, and you don't have any respect for those authority figures, this is what happens. Um, and it's just it's got to stop. I mean, we we need to get back to traditional family values, and I think that hopefully this these responses to the COVID virus is going to help that because I think there's a lot of moms and dads that are at home going, wow, I really like spending time with my children. Maybe we're going to figure out a way where we don't need a two family or a two income family, where we can actually get back to the nuclear family of mother staying at home and, you know, dad working or dad staying at home and mom working. I don't care. Make up your mind. But the ability for human beings to interact with their own progeny is incredibly important. We can't look back at kids and go, wow, you know, you're such a mess. You're like, hey, man, you were there from the beginning. Uh, So when our parents start looking more uh, introspectively about the behaviors of their children, hopefully they can at least pass on to their children or their neighbor's kids or the 
that it is better to be spending time with your uh, children at home. It, it just is. We, Sarah and I made a conscious decision after Abigail was born that she would stay home with our kids. I think I was at E4 at the time, so maybe making 500 bucks a month or something like that. And she was a ICU nurse, so her earning potential was like four times what mine was. But we really looked at this and said, look, we, we have these children. We have created these human beings. And it's very, very important to us that they grow up to be good human beings. And it was, you know, part of that's inside of Sarah so much. She has a very strong um, mothering instinct that she wanted to stay at home with the kids. And I was like, okay, well, I think that's the best answer then. So let's do that. If, if more people put their children over fancy stuff, um, I think we'd be a lot better off as a, as a society. Yeah, 100%, Derek. And I'm right there with you. We, my wife and I made the conscious decision ourselves together that, that she would stay home and that, that I would pick up, uh, you know, extra work, uh, extra shifts and do what I had to do. And, and it has benefited us. And we're, I'm a person that keeps God first in my life. We, we pray together as a family. We eat dinner every night together as a family. And I think those things are so important, uh, you know, for the kids as they're growing up. And um, I just think God has been removed from so much of our society, along with the nuclear family being broken down. And if we could just tighten up them two things, Derek, I think the majority of the stuff we're seeing, the issues that we have in our country, would start to evaporate quickly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, we, again, for in the, the me generation, it was in the 60s, late 60s, where, I mean, think about that, the me generation. Like, it's all about me. And I... I just I can't overstate how incredibly destructive that's been for our culture. Um, it just has. And these people saying that, uh, you know, the one parent family is as good as the two parent stuff. It just it's not panned out. I, mean, I had I have a degree in liberal arts, which means I did a whole bunch of psychology and sociology and stuff like that. Uh, and you just read the studies that these people produce. They're not even looking at the, the results of their own studies. Um just keep piling more and more on here about how this is this is the right way to do things. And it simply is not. If you look at the, the quantifiable metrics of our society, we have degraded as a, a nation in this aspect where our children are doing worse in school. We are having more mental health issues. We are having more drug and alcohol um, abuse issues. We're having more um, domestic abuse issues. We're having all these issues and it's all they can tie it right back to when this, the family started falling apart and the decrease in the amount of people that actually went to a formal uh, religious institution, no matter what it was. Uh, it's just factual. So, I mean, I, I'm really glad that you're doing this podcast uh, and you're getting this word out. And I hope more and more people see it um, and that we can make a positive change. You know, I'm going to Congress and I want my children and my grandchildren and hopefully great grandchildren one day to at a minimum have the same opportunities that I had to go from absolutely nothing to the halls of Congress. I want at a minimum every child in the United States of America to have that opportunity. And if we keep going down this road that we're on with the destruction of our culture, with the economy being destroyed by individuals who don't understand that socialism leads to ruin, if we keep doing that, they're not going to have the same opportunity. And I, this, I have so much confidence in the younger people that they finally get this. I sit down and we just lay out some facts for them. We do like straight up history, like real history. And they open their eyes and they're like, holy Pete, what are you doing? This essentially is like the pro-life generation, which I find fascinating. Because these children are so inundated with science, 
and they understand that science is science, that life begins at conception. You can't argue that from a scientific perspective. That they're looking at this and they're becoming the pro-life generation. To me, that's really encouraging. Yeah, I think what's encouraging about why I'm happy to see guys like yourself getting involved and your voices being heard is because what your testimony is, if I can do it, you can do it. And that's the kind of things that we need to hear, that the people can start from the bottom and through hard work make it to the top. You say the me generation, everyone takes pictures of themselves now. We live in this generation on social media where it's all about you, but when it comes to responsibility, it's not me. It's always somebody else. It seems like we they've got that part of it. Uh, where it's me, me, me until something happens, then it's somebody else. And then I think uh, a little bit more ownership for our, our choices that we do make would go a long way. And one of these other things, you talk about the genders being completely different. As a dad, you know, I have my only girl. She's my, my baby. We got her on the fourth try there. If not, we, we'd have five by now, but we got her. And she runs the show over here. And I already dread uh, her. I already dread her hitting that dating scene in years to come. You've already been there. You've got the grandkids and all that. So what kind of advice or what kind of um, talks did you have with your kids when it came time to hit that dating scene? And how was it different between your, your talking to your sons and your daughters about it? Well, I mean, the, our boys saw how I treated their mother with the utmost respect at all times. I mean, I open the door for her still and I don't eat till she has food. Um, you know, I am very, very courteous to my wife and I, I always have been because out of respect. And so the boys got that, that you respect women. That's just, that's the, the start and the stop of it. And the girls also saw that if someone was not treating them with respect, that it's the wrong guy. Um, and then there's the classic, you know, uncomfortable conversations with the girls. The guys are going to tell you anything they want. They just want to see you without your clothes on. That's it. They're going to say anything at all. That's just a fact. And I'm like, oh, I go, that's it. And the guys know, you know, you treat a, a, a woman disrespectfully, we're going to have talk. And that's not going over well. And I never had to because the boys, they, they learn directly through observation. What you said previously about people getting more, um, everything is fine until something happens and it's someone else's fault. That is a direct result of what we spoke about a couple of minutes ago the lack of uh, discipline that's instilled on children at home. The lack of accountability starts at home. You took a cookie out of the cookie jar. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You're busted. All right, stop doing that. Number one, stop doing that. Number two, stop lying about it. You hold them accountable immediately. That bleeds over into your adult life. I had to force myself to do that. And the Navy, I'm telling you, was the forcing function for that. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, there's like three things. If I hadn't joined the Navy and I hadn't met my wife and then I hadn't become a Christian and it went just in that order, I'd be dead by now. 100%. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, a lot of people that, that in your situation that grow up without a dad, like that, that military can be, you could find that father figure in the military, but these kids that are finding it in the streets, and in the street life, they're finding these father figures, and it's just creating just devastating results. And like you said, wherever you find these hot spots in the nation, whether it's a high rate of teenage drug use, a high rate of teenage suicide, teenage pregnancy, you it always correlates with a high rate of fatherless households. It's a direct correlation. There's no doubt about it. With teenage, with teenage drug use, that can also be two family homes in very affluent communities. The reason being is that they have the resources to buy drugs. And oftentimes, when both their parents are out working, they leave them alone. Uh, they don't have a lot of interaction with them. So 
But when you're talking about the bulk of this, um, yeah, the, the socioeconomic groups that I started in, uh, you know, the, the poverty to way lower middle class, uh, there is a high preponderance of, of children that are trying to teach each other how to be adults, which is where things go wrong, because you don't know. If you want to become a better tennis player, you go find the best tennis player that's willing to waste their time with you and have them beat you about you know three months in a row. You're going to improve your game. If you go find somebody that's as good as you or not as good as you and try to learn from them, you're never going to get anywhere. It's the same principle when we have children who don't understand how to run a home. They don't understand how to run a budget. They don't understand that you have to have a driver's license, that you need to have insurance, that you need to maintain your home. You know that you got a bunch of kids and just trying to teach each other how to do stuff and it, it doesn't work. That's what the problem is. And it does go back to the fact that we have people just willy-nilly having children and leaving them alone. When you set up a governmental system of benefits where it behooves you to have children out of wedlock and to maintain, uh, to never get married because then your your uh, aid to families with dependent children and all these other programs are going to be reduced. That's bad. Um, that's bad. You can tie that right back to uh, Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad to see, like I said, you're getting involved here because those are problems that we have. It should be more of a rewarding the family for staying together rather than rewarding them for staying apart. Yeah. I mean, so. it's just, do you do you really want to have a functioning society or not? It really comes down to that. And are you willing, are you willing to say enough? We're not going to do this any longer. I mean, I got into Congress or I'm getting into Congress. I started running for Congress because the guy I'm running against, Ron Kine, signed the impeachment of Donald Trump. I did that. He sat on this. It's called the USMCA. Um, it's a trade bill. He sat on that for over a year and we lost over a thousand farms in the state of Wisconsin. And I'm in an agricultural district. I'm like, come on, what are we doing? You know what? So he's doing these things for political expediency. I'm not doing that. We're just, we can't do that anymore. We need to have adults in our houses. We need to have adults in leadership from the school board up positions to get us out of this mess that we're getting into. We have to do this now. We're at this inflection point. And if we don't, it's, I mean, what are we going to do? Break up into little fiefdoms? I don't want to see that at yeah. all. No, man. The first, the first time I went to combat was to clean up a civil war in Bosnia and Herzegovina. We don't want that in America. And all of that starts at home. People forget. They, they reduce the value of mom staying at home and dad's providing for their family to some cliche. And it's not. That's a real thing. There's Tens of millions, if not billions of men that get up every single day around the world and go work as hard as they possibly can to make life better for their families. That's not a joke. That's a real thing. And there's billions of moms that stay at home because they want to nurture their children. That's not a joke. And neither one of those is above the other. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with your philosophy there, Derek. This is this is great stuff. And I know now now running, I know I'm keeping you long here, but I know running running for Congress, there's some sacrifice involved in that too. So what was kind of the response uh, from your family when you finally decided to run? Well, my wife and I prayed about it. We said, okay, well, that's it. That's the right answer. And, you know, like I said, we've moved like 14 times. So it's kind of a vagabond lifestyle. I've got 11,000 square miles in my district, so I'm, I'm going to leave here in I don't know, 20 minutes or so. I'll be back in a week. But uh, it's the right thing to do. We all have the same values. We want our nation to be what it can be, and that is uh, 
an exceptional nation who truly had the hand of God on it in its inception, and I think it still does. And we get it. We're a family of service. Um, when the Serbs are giving everybody a hard time, I went there. When Al-Qaeda was giving everybody a hard time, I went to Afghanistan. When the Shia militias were giving, or Sunni militias were giving everybody a hard time, I went to Iraq. When Al-Shabaab and ISIS were giving a hard time to everybody, I went to the Horn of Africa. Now the problems in our nation can only be solved in Washington, D.C. So that's where I'm going, and my family gets that. Um, that's just who we are as a family, man. Damn, that's awesome, Derek. Uh, well, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, I love to ask yeah. all the dads that I get on the podcast here, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Take it seriously. You take it seriously. You, we, This whole thing we've been talking about responsibility. You take responsibility for your actions. You are half of the reason that child is in existence. So you take it seriously. If that means you need to throw your Xbox out the window, if that means you need to pick up another shift to do that, if it means that you don't drink uh, beer on Friday nights with your friends, that's what you do. You you are, you and the woman that you're with, hopefully it's your wife, have, have done something that only God can do. Think of it from that perspective. Only the creator of the universe, that's the only other uh, entity that is capable of doing what you guys did together. So take that seriously because it's a real thing and it's awesome. And your life is going to change. It was like, oh, my life changed so bad. Why are people afraid to change so much? Of course it changed. It became more richer. It became more deep. It became more meaningful. That's what, that's how your life has changed. Look at it from that perspective and you're just going to be happy every day of your life. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been really an honor for me. Uh, I got to say, Derek Van Orden, you're a first class father all the way. Good luck with the campaign. Uh, I'd love to see you in Congress. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for having me. And keep up the good work. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Derek Van Order for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you lock it in for next week. I got three bangers coming your way, including a Fresh Frogman Friday edition. Also, Lou Dobbs of Fox Business will be here. Uh, very exciting to have him on the show. Find out who else will be joining me here at Alec underscore Lace over on Instagram. And wait till you see who I have in store for you for my 400th episode. I've been working on this one for two years. Uh, it'll definitely be one you're going to want to check out. So follow me on Instagram. Find out who that's going to be as well. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Sometimes